Hey, this is Felix Liu of Felix Comic Art. I'm a huge fan of 11 O'Clock Comics, and you're listening to the 11 O'Clock Comics Podcast. My man. Mm-hmm. Robusto. Yeah, it was like like a Bryce Harper walk-off home run right there. Robusto. I got that Oops. reference. Nice. Look at you, Captain America. I did. Yeah. in a row now he was mentioned. <laughs> Damn. Well, I guess it was a big deal, right? Oh, all my Philly buddies are over the moon right now for the World Series. Good for them. It's nice to see. It is, it is. It's not like soccer where they burn fucking cities to the ground when they lose. It's, you oh, know, I don't know about that. <laughs> not, we'll see. Y- not yet. Yeah. Uh, it's ridiculous. World Cup is coming up, actually. Yep. You know what else is coming up? What? A whole lot of discourse on comics because this <laughs> is 11 O'Clock Comics, Ooh. episode 821. And I'm Vince B. You are Vince B. I am David A. Price. Indeed you are. And of course, I'm everyone's favorite Lego reality show host. I am Will Arnett. Wow. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Lego Batman. Lego yes. Batman. Yes. Yeah. You're not Will Arnett. You're Jason Wood, everybody. Here together on this average old episode. Just how we like them. And you know why we like them? Because the patrons are there. Each and every episode, they raise everyone up. They give and they sweat and they donate and they make all this shit possible for all of you people listening out there. That's a an awesome thing, right? But we like to award them for their efforts, as they should be, and we give back. We give them audio, long audio. This New York Comic Con, they got like four or five hours of extra audio. We give them video previews videos we give them images they have downloads you could download vintage fanzines on our patreon feed they can participate in the book of the month Mm -hmm. they scream out their little windows and we somehow hear it i don't know how it works but some of them are very far away yet we still hear it and best of all the dedicated slack channel where we congregate each and every day to just lay it all out there Comics, sure, we talk about them, but other things as well. Music, movies, TV, personal stuff, relationships, our pets, uh, just everything. And uh, if you would like to be a member of this extended family, go to patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics. One, one, no apostrophe. We would love to open that door for you. The more the merrier, right? Like legs akimbo. Wow, you don't have to work blue. You're too talented. No, I think I think working blue is. It, I think that's our target demographic. Hmm. It yeah. Remains to be seen. Should we rewind and talk about some of the things you've you've talked about on these episodes? Oh, I'm always family friendly. I don't know what <laughs> oh, you're talking 100%. about. Oh, mm-hmm. show. Yeah, there's always a, a wholesome, uplifting undercurrent to everything i talk about it's true we should just call you pollyanna <laughs> this, is, this is true that's what they call me down at the blue room i bet yeah they have to put the quarter in first mm-hmm. yeah not doing and anything you, without that quarter speaking of our, Times square go ahead <laughs> no i was gonna say speaking of our wonderful uh our wonderful little web website that we have laboriously built over the last decade and a half 
Do you know what happened today, Vince? I don't. Well, your boy, this guy right here, and your other boy, <laughs> that guy over there, <laughs> we we collaborated today to get off the ground something that people have been waiting patiently for, and that is, of course, everybody's favorite year-end award show, the 11 O'Closkers, our annual celebration of our favorite things in comics, and we got the... 2022 ballot up and live today i created it in the google forms dap posted it to our butamous website 11 o'clockcomics.com if you go to the website you'll see at the top left corner a button a tab that says the 2022 11 o'clockers i will also uh, tomorrow post a direct link in slack and what well, did that on slack today and also post a direct link on our facebook group and uh, for those new to this, this is every January we have uh, a dedicated episode where we run through a litany of categories celebrating comics and the people who create them. We cover a lot of different angles, and big part of that is you, the listeners, and what you want to celebrate. And the way you do that is you go onto the ballot, and you go ahead and fill in your answers. And the great thing about it is... If uh, I'm sure like many of you, you can need some time to, to pontificate. You may change your mind. You may want to wait, you know, put some things down now and then and then wait to fill out the rest. You can do that. You just go in, log in with your email. As long as you use your same email address and it's legitimate, you can go in at any time. It saves your answers and you can change your answers, add answers, delete answers, whatever you want to do. You can you can keep updating it to your pleasure for the next two plus months and um then the week before the episode in January, we will lock it down so I can tabulate all the responses, and uh, and and we will uh, soldier forth. And just two two points of clarification uh, for those returning voters: uh, we are once again going to do the uh, gift certificate raffle. Uh, this year, we're partnering with our friends at CheapGraphicNovels.com. And so the way it works is if we get up to 100 responses, we will on the episode uh, from those responders pick a winner uh, who will get a $25 gift certificate. If we get up to 250, that becomes a $50 gift certificate all the way up to if we surpass the 500 response mark, it will be a $100 gift certificate. Now, um, we have hit the 250 to 500 response level before, and that's 75 bucks. We have never hit the 500 response mark and i challenge you all to make that happen because we have many many thousands of you listening to this so there's no reason we couldn't have over 500 of you responding so get on it you have plenty of time start thinking start tallying start tabulating oh and vince Hi. since you didn't know this happened we heated this we heated the siren call of our butamus patrons and frankly you and uh we we changed the categories a bit this year uh, we we have we have uh, retired the uh, favorite international comic, which was on the ballot for the last few years, and we have switched it for two other categories, including favorite manga. Nice. So What's about year, damn time? Yeah, this year officially we'll have a favorite manga category, and then uh, to account for all of the other foreign awesomeness that comes out uh, from you know primarily Europe, but some South America and the like. Uh, we are so we have favorite manga and we have favorite international non manga. So splitting it up because 
bluntly between the three of us, a lot of our very favorite comics uh, each year seem to be international. So now we have two categories that we can celebrate that work. Nice. Did you add the favorite J. Tomio wall of text category? <laughs> no, we, you know what we should have? We should have Tomio as our fourth seat this year. I think it's going to be nigh impossible to get him to do it. I mean, well, I would love it, but it you would... know he listens to the episodes, so we're, sure we're officially throwing down the gauntlet. Jay, nice. join us for the old Oscars. Oh man, I was limp before. Now I'm biscuit. <laughs> He's probably going to be like, "Sorry, fellows, but I'm a, uh, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm, I'm uh, wintering in, uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm wintering in Capri, Cabo uh, Wabo. <laughs> I turn off the internet in January." Yeah. Now, when when they click on the the link at on the website, does it take them to a spreadsheet? Well, no. It, it, oh, it, take, it takes them to a, a an online web form um, with our logo, a little introduction explaining what it is, and uh, and then it's like a guided survey, um, uh, like a nicely formatted guided survey with each with each 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 category that describes the category, what we're looking for, and there's a blank space to type in your answer. And uh, like I said, it saves your progress as you go along. And um, great, great. As, as long as you as long as you don't use a Fugazi email address, uh, it will save your progress forever and ever. Nice. Thank goodness, a, like a spreadsheet didn't drop down because I'd be like George C. Scott in hardcore. I'd be like, turn it off. I'd be well, this bad. is the best of both worlds because it is a web form that for spreadsheet haters like you, you never get the sense. There's any spreadsheets involved, but there's one. But behind, when, it com- yeah. when it comes time for yeah. me to tally the results, it gives it to yeah. me in a beautiful spreadsheet. Well, it's all data. I don't need to see that end of it, which Correct. I mean, I eventually do because that's how we do the show. They don't. Well, now they know. Uh, there's a spreadsheet on my screen when I do the eleven o'clockers episode. All of us, and it's the one time in the year that I'll allow this this spreadsheet on my screen. Well, that's because you spend half the time typing obscene things and trying to make it <laughs> off script while we're, we're going through the spreadsheet. Most of it, most of it involving genitalia. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> because you're 12 years old. I am. Yeah, well, yes. maybe inside I am. Yes. All right. So uh, here, let's just get this over with because uh, not in the mood to drink the alcohol. I'm just having some water. But this is a variation. This is called Red, White, and Blue Pop from Clear American. And it has uh, a bomb pop looking iced treat on the front of it. So it's designed to taste like a bomb pop. Yes. It's not bad. Interesting. Yeah. Kirby knows what's in it. It could be some toxic okay. shit, but it's. Mm-hmm. I think it's delicious. Right on. Uh, believe it or not, I'm having some wine. <gasps> <sighs> I wish I knew. No, you know what? It's it's uh, this is my 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 hell week. You know, every three months I have that hell week of 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 my of my work cycle where I'm bombarded with earnings results and uh, particularly hellish this year because those of you that don't pay attention to the markets, it's pretty bad out there. Yeah, hard, has, hard, at, hard at in the investing screets this year. Hasbro so, shit in the bed. Who is Hasbro? Big time. Oh, join the joint. Yeah, I mean that's that's one of many. But but anyway, uh, because of that, I I opted to. Uh, to have a glass of uh, of Cabernet Sauvignon, and uh, I got to be honest with you, I forgot to look at the at the label. That's uh, okay. There was, bo- there was a bottle open already, so I just uh, I'm drinking some Cab, but I, I forgot to notice which which bottle it was. It's it's the one time in your eleven o'clock comics career where you weren't disturbingly explicit about anything. <laughs> so 
Okay. There you go. I, I think that's like a really backhanded compliment. No, it is a, it is a great compliment. <laughs> Fair enough. Yes, I always Fair tout enough. your uh, coverage. Verbosity. Yeah. Uh, here we go. Gabby? <laughs> Uh, I, uh, I ran up here, realized I didn't have anything in my hands, so I ran back downstairs and, um, looked around to see if, what would be the simplest thing, and the simplest thing was, oddly enough, slapping a, um, whiskey sour capsule into the Bartesian, so that is what I'm having. Do you thank it when it gives you a drink? (laughs) No, because it doesn't talk to me. No, oh, because, no, he thanks Alexa. So I thought, why don't you just thank the Bartesian? Right. And I I, I thank um, the the Google Nest Hub when uh, it turns the living room lights on. But unlike Alexa, it doesn't reply. Hmm. You know what else that's hard at in these streets? Heating your home with heating oil. (laughs) So Con Ed included a nice little two-page letter in the most recent bill saying that gas and electric are both going up a certain percentage for, for everybody this winter. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, it's, what what is the percentage? Because it's. I mean, there's a difference between like eight percent and eighty percent. Yeah. No. It's. It's. I'm pretty sure it's. It's low double digits. It's. It's. I think yeah. one might be eighteen. The other might be closer to thirty mm-hmm. or thirty two or something. It's. Yeah. yeah. It's. All right. Well, our UK our UK listeners right now are giving us the finger. Cause yeah. Like, like y'all don't know from inflation. You, you don't. Tell you. you don't have a madman fucking <laughs> with your you. your flow. All right. Comics. Enough of that. Let, let's get down yeah, let's talk about it. with the comics. Yeah, the comics. Well, go ahead. Because well, I, Dapp and yeah. I, you were so happy uh, with the fact that you and David collaborated on something, but David and I also collaborated on something this week. So, Did Dapp and I collaborate on something? Yeah, the 11 O'Clockers. Oh, 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 you mean, <laughs> sure. I thought you meant book. Um, no, I, I just, uh, just want to lead off by saying uh, I think... Well, I don't want to speak for you two. I'll just say I'd say I rather than we. But but I have been uh, unceremoniously hard on big two Marvel DC event comics for a good chunk of the years we've been doing the show. Um, I just feel like most of them are whack and money grabs, and you know the cycle of them wore a lot of us out. You know, kind of. I think I think they played a big part in breaking the cycle of addiction that we all had to to capes periodicals in some ways um but every now and then uh one surprises me and i think part of that is because i no longer have lofty expectations i no longer go in expecting them to be earth-shattering events that that uh, are awesome and so maybe it's just uh easier for them to entertain me but um the final issue the sixth issue of uh, axe judgment day uh, came out, and I took that opportunity to finish the event. I read 4, 5, and 6, as well as a few of the adjacent or interrelated one-shots and the like, and I thought it was terrific. I thought it was a totally self-contained, if you just read the six issues, you get everything you need, um, action-packed, logical event that felt huge, but wrapped up in a satisfying way and i gotta tip my cap to kieran gillen because as we know at marvel and dc you get to a certain point in your writing career and you're you're tagged as the next event person 
and it has felled many a great writer. <laughs> it is, it is, it is many a great uh, superhero comic writer have have uh, been taken down a peg or two when they've when it's been their turn to helm an event. And I think uh, Kieran really rose to the occasion. I, I thought it was terrific. I uh, won't go too deep into it, but for those that don't know, it's as you might guess from the name AXT. It is essentially a book that's an event that centers around the Avengers, the X-Men, and the Eternals. Uh, the, the Eternals uh, have a, a new leader, uh, Druig, and he... Uh, the Eternals have always had this thing where they need to kill the Deviants because that's part of their mantra. The Deviants represent excess deviation, and uh, that's why they have a war with them. Well, Druig determines that the mutants are also de- uh, deserving of the same war because they too are uh, excess deviation from the norm and they go to war. Uh, and then uh, to, to try and combat that uh, the Avengers and an offshoot of the Eternals led by Cersei decide to resurrect the celestial that's been dormant, the sleeping celestial uh, dreaming celestial that has been the Avengers headquarters for years and years, bring it back to life and uh, that works, but unfortunately, the Celestial, they, which is named their progenitor, uh, when he comes to life, decides that he is going to pass judgment on Earth and basically judge every single living, every human on the planet. And if more than 50% of them are deemed unworthy, he's going to destroy the Earth. And uh, so they all got to kind of team up and fight against that happening while simultaneously dealing with uh, the Eternals hellbent on destroying uh the mutants it was it was like i said it was really well done i think uh you know lots of cool cameos a lot of the core heroes from all three pockets of 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 that marvel you know world had their shining moments uh i thought his gillen's voice for most of the characters was was spot on just the right amount of humor just the right amount of gravitas you know a few key deaths and as much as deaths matter in superhero comics these days and uh, Valerio Valer- Valerio Skeedy is the artist, and and Man of Man Skeedy has uh, continued to level up in recent years, doing a lot of Marvel uh, X books the last few years. But I thought Skeedy looked just phenomenal in this, drawing hundreds of different Marvel characters in in big uh, splash pieces and the like, and 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 uh, just just kicked all kinds of ass. I, I if 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 he was able to do this on a, on a monthly schedule, I would be just stunned and gobsmacked because it was so fantastic and detailed i mean like perez level detail you know and i'm not comparing skeety to perez directly but i'm just saying like that level of detail and you know number of characters and stuff so uh yeah just two big thumbs up for me for axe judgment day i assume the collection has either been solicited already or is going to be solicited shortly but if you're one of those people that occasionally like to dig in and read a little marvel but but aren't like you know aren't aren't a pig at the trough reading it regularly i think this is one that'll please you i think you can just pop in and read it get something out of it and then and then roll out. Can I just embellish slightly? Sure. I I appreciate the fact that you said that um a lot of events are money grabs. I think yeah. all all events are money grabs. It's just that sure. some are more artfully constructed than others. Yeah, that's perfectly fair. Right. So I mean, you'll you'll get a great one like this and then you'll get two or three that are ov- obvious, you know, uh limp um stories with nothing more than a, a framework to make you buy more books but i'm glad you enjoyed this yeah, yeah. it and, does and look I, nice i mean yeah i wonder how much those covers are going for but oh, i don't know and i will say to 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 illustrate the point of of events still being hit or miss i mean i couldn't have been less intrigued by the the crisis event that's happening i i 
I was I tapped out of that one almost immediately. Well, they're immediately launching into another event. Legacy oh, something, Legacy okay. Planet, or I don't know. Um, a, a ton of books are going to be involved in this next thing, and it's 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 mm-hmm. just an endless cycle. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Read them or not. Yeah, yeah. That's you know that's the thing these days. I think for a lot of us now, we don't feel like we have to read the events, and so that makes the the, the very nature of the experience potentially more enjoyable. What was the last event from which you walked away? thinking holy mackerel that was great i'm not saying you know that was very good i mean totally gobsmacked at an event that just blew the doors off everything well would you count would 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 uh hawks pox count or would that not count like would something like that be an event to you or well, in in, in, me, but I could see it in structure, it's event and it's an event. But right. that is that was a, 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 it was a reboot. Yeah, it was a, a course correction for the right. X Men book. So yeah. I, right. I don't, yeah, I don't I, know. I, I wouldn't probably count it as an the event. event would have been uh, the the Ten of Swords. If I was right. if, in, in okay. my mind, as I categorize sure. things, that would be right. Yeah. It's a, a a big story within an established framework. That X Men stuff wasn't established yet. They were yeah. They generally, were, when we talk about events, we mean cross big big yeah. line yeah. crossover. Yeah, yeah. The yeah. thing that just knocked you on your ass, like woof. I hesitate to to uh, see when something else is going to come along that impacted me as much as this. All right. Well, I, I quickly I have a list here, and again, this is by no means a complete list. <laughs> yes, uh, I was no, no. It, well, it's, I knew it's, I didn't have to open up Wikipedia. It's Wikipedia. It's it's not. Yeah. I, it's not. Made, but it, these are it, now. I'm looking. I'll look at the DC in a second. But this is Marvel's crossover events. They have it listed at chronologically. So, um, and and this is line. They have a, they separated out. So this is line wide. Uh, Judgment Day would be what I just talked about. I thought it was very good. Uh, but I, I, I knocked you on my ass. Then I'm not so sure about. So, I, but, but certainly I like this. But before that, we had Devil's Reign, King in Black, which was the, uh, you know, the no, carnage nonsense. Yeah. Empire, uh, War of the Realms, Secret Empire, Inhumans versus X Men, Civil War Two, Secret Wars, Axis, Infinity, Avengers X Men, Fear itself, and Siege. And that goes. That's all the way back to 2010. Uh, so for me. Of those just coming to mind, I mean, I loved Infinity. Thought it was awesome. I did so too. That's but that's 2013. So that was that yeah. was almost that was nine nine years ago. Uh, so so I mean, you know that that's a you know that's uh that's that's a bit ago. Um, and then let me see if I can quickly find the uh, the DC um, events here. Let's see here. Okay, uh, DC's had a, a quite a few more. They're a little bit bigger on the events in the last few years. Uh, so they have uh, Dark Crisis on Infinite Earth, which is the current one. Uh, Infinite Frontier, Future State, Generations, The Joker War, Dark Knight's Death Metal, uh, You're the Villain, Heroes in Crisis, Doomsday Clock, Dark Knight's Metal. Uh, let's see here. Uh, DC Rebirth, Convergence. Uh, New 52 Futures End, Forever Evil, uh, Flashpoint, Blackest Night, Final Crisis, Infinite Crisis, Identity Crisis. So, now to be fair, that goes back 20 years. Identity Crisis was, was 2004, uh, Infinite Crisis 25, Final Crisis was, was 2008, uh, 52 was 
you know, so, so it's 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 been well over a decade for me that, right. that DC event is. I know Dap wasn't. I like. I love Final Crisis. I don't think Dap was it, but like even that, even Final Crisis, we're talking all the way back to uh, to two thousand eight. So I mean, that's you know. Yeah, I I love that too, and and you know me, I loved Death Metal. I loved uh, Dark Knight's Metal. Nothing from any of those lists are the one that that really like took my breath away. Right. I mean, I, um, Identity Crisis. And fifty two were like pretty much my gateway into being a regular DC reader, right? So I, I got to give them love, but that was twenty years ago now. Yeah, I think fifty two would top a lot of people's list. Yeah, and that's interesting because it was certainly an event, right? But it was a different kind of event. But it was line wide, and it was it was a fifty two issue event. So I, I I think it counts. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, absolutely. Let me tell you mine. Yeah, you'll. Why don't you just try and guess real quick? Was none of those? None of those. Oh Jesus! Uh, Is it a big two event? Nope. Yes. Yeah. You no. Know, no. Yeah. Oh, I thought you meant like oh. a, a a company crossover. No. Zero hour. Nope. Yeah. <laughs> Millennial. I'll make it a little uh, easier for you. It's not DC. Oh. Oh. Uh. Jeez. Um. And I didn't say it. Nope. Okay. Um. So let's see. Oh, World War Hulk. Do you count that? That's number two. Secret Invasion. Age of Apocalypse. Oh, okay. Damn, we're going wow. way back. A- Age of Apocalypse was the one event where I was like, this is really special. This is so inventive, so creative. They're throwing everything away, starting fresh with the characters we love, but not the same characters. They've been altered in many cases. The art teams were great on all the books. I thought Age of Apocalypse was like a blueprint for how to do a really special event. Right. Well, that was 95, so we're talking nearly 30 years ago. <laughs> yeah. So, well. and, and I'm trying to remember back in the Wizard days and any of the fanzines or CBG or anything like that. I know when it happened, and everybody gets the first issue, and, and, and these are the new titles now, and, and things are changed. When, because I don't have the issues in front of me, and I don't. When when it was announced, did did Marvel say that it was a four issue that each of these were a four issue series, or this was that this was an event that was going to be bookended in, or in any way, or, or did or as it was coming out because I wasn't at the shop in ninety five down in religiously when it was coming out, did it feel like a massive change for Marvel and the X universe, or did oh. everybody reading it think that it was going to just last a few months and everything was going well? To- there was a, I mean, there was an X Men Alpha that came out the month right. before, right, and then X Men Omega at the end. So it wasn't like you were completely unaware that it was happening. But to your but, point, but by I the mean, time Omega yeah. was solicited, you would have had the first issue or two in your hand, so you wouldn't know Omega was coming right when it started. No, I believe there was a a checklist. I'm pretty sure they they. Well, Marvel they were, always had the bullpen bulletins page with the checklist of what was out that 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 week. Yeah, I, I would be very surprised, shocked, even if if there wasn't an existing checklist. Maybe not initially when this when the thing started, but as it kept going, I think that was also the time of um, there were actual ads in Marvel books, right? So I remember seeing either a back page. Or an inside back cover of their books, somewhere along that line, that had the Age of Apocalypse timeline. Like, read this, then this, then this. You know what I mean? And you could check them off with the little box and everything. I'm, 
almost certain that they had that. I mean, I can't speak to it, because, but I will say that Age of Apocalypse is also one of those seminal events for me, because the only time in my life that I haven't been a regular comics reader was the four years of college, from 92 to 96. So I, and then uh, I got back into it almost by accident, because Beth and I were walking around Hoboken, where I moved after college, getting the lay of the land, and fortunately for me... And, and you, Jamokes, because we probably wouldn't have been friends. Exactly. Uh, there was a tiny little comic store a block from our, my apartment. And I uh, I walked in and said, oh, I love comics. And we walked in, and it was just like, God, it was just so tiny. And there was just one dude in there that owned the place, and he was like absolutely insane. And we started chatting, and then, you know, of course, the you know, you get that, you know, it's like being a... It's like being a drug addict, you know. You you, you you take that hit, you're 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 back off the wagon, and and uh, right. and then he, I remember he was he was like, listen, he was asked, well, what are you into? What were you into? And I, you know, and at the time, of course, I was only really a Marvel guy, and uh, he said, oh, they just had this this crazy thing with the mutants called Age of Apocalypse. It, it you know wrapped up a few months ago. Like I have all the issues still, and I took home a big chunk of all the miniseries that like random visit just like oh this would be fun and and then the rest is history but that, yep. so that 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 was my, that was my that was my foray back in no, i probably would have gotten back in one way or the other anyway but but that was the given the timing that was that would have been august 96 so that would have been right when this was wrapping up we should really track that shop down i you know what i actually looked it up um i looked it up a few months ago um because i was thinking about it and it's it's no longer there so. well do you know the name of it no, no, I I don't remember the name of it, but there are no comic shops in that area of uh, in Hoboken anymore. So, like we, at all, we got to so. be able to find at least the name or or the name of the shop and the and the proprietor. Like there there are, have been directory listings of uh, fandom generated of uh, comic shops for for decades. So oh yeah, I, you mean like look? At, yeah, I could probably figure out what it was back in the yeah back in yeah, the day for sure. I'd, I'd love to know that because um, should anybody do any kind of creative work related to the show. I would love to, to do a panel with that shop in the background. Like no one else would know. <laughs> yes. We, we would know. And that, that I love those little uh, inclusions. Yeah. But back to the Age of Apocalypse, that storyline or the storylines have persisted since that story came out. You, we, have, we have had characters from those iterations pop up in the mainstream books currently and and in the past i i just think it, it's it's a super super series and it was totally unexpected like yeah that book you've been buying for decades not going to publish it anymore like who knew well we should have known that they would have gone back to it but it was just so novel wipe the slate this is all new here you go i thought it was wonderful i love scorched earth stuff like that just start mm -hmm. the fucking thing over again right it was great yeah. Yeah. What would your favorite event be? All time. Got to pick one. Oh, of all time. Yeah. Um I mean pr probably 52. I mean just because it, it was the perfect perfect thing for me as a new new to DC person to get that that amazing collection of 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 writers collaborating on a bunch of different characters that were quirky all at once. And it was almost like kind of a, a who's who update, you know, like, Oh, this is what's going on in the DC universe these days. And, and that was 
absolutely like the tractor beam that made me think, well, shit, I got to I got to get involved in this without being for me, not having the big, th- you know, the tr- the Trinity front and center was was great because, I, uh, you know, I, I needed to be exposed to other characters. Um, so, I, yeah, I'd say 52 just in terms of when I think back fondly. But Age of Apocalypse is certainly up there. I mean, uh, I, I really did. I, I mean, I, I really enjoyed um, uh, Infinity. I mean, that's probably my favorite detail. Uh, Marvel event, I would say. So nice. I'm. I think I know what Dap's going to say. I'm sure you do. Go ahead. The original Crisis. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, okay. It, it's just. I mean, it. It's. I would love to have said, um, JLA Avengers, but um, that was my number two for you. And that, the only reason why it's not. Number one is probably because of the era of the Avengers that are yeah the Busick, which is great, but it was it, it it was Captain America with the with 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 the laser shield, and it was just it, it was it was yeah it was the Busick stuff, which you know he impressed a great run, and 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 I don't dislike that hero's return, Avengers relaunch, but um, as far as Crisis, I mean I I was reading, I knew. These Golden Age characters, thanks to All Star Squadron and reading old stories, and I knew I was I was neck deep in DC in the early to mid '80s. So I just knew everything. I knew all the characters that were in all these books and or in the event itself, the mini itself, and having that connection. I mean, maybe not so much Supergirl. But then when Barry sacrifices himself and, and just and, – and, of course, George's art doesn't hurt because you have – I mean, you've got – the man's sole existence is to just show up and and be pitiful and scream about a planet dying. And, I mean, Pariah, just every time he shows up, you just feel bad for the dude and, and it's just – it. I really just enjoyed seeing so many. I mean, it's like what Jason says when you get the band together. I mean, just there was so many characters on a page and, and everything, you know, worlds are literally blinking out. And at, at the end, you know, we're left with this this Earth one where everybody who's left, this is where they live now. Psycho Pirates, the only one who really kind of remembers that there were ever any multiple earths and, and, uh, and then, you know, we get, we get a new, we get new versions that, that make more sense to the current at that time, modern reader with, with Burns revamping Superman with Wonder Woman no longer being made out of clay. And, and they just, it, it just, it was, what heightens my enjoyment of that event, what makes it my favorite is the fact that I was there right. I was there when the event was happening right before it took off during the event. And then I was there at the ground floor for this, the, the, the new, the new DC. So there's just, it, it wasn't like I read it off the shelf as a collection a couple of years later, seeing what all the, the big deal was about and now I'm playing catch up or anything like that. I, it, it, it was just, it, it was a perfect storm. There was just a whole lot that just, you know, the 13 year old me was just fucking going gaga over. Yeah. I, I don't dislike crisis. 
Um, I don't ne- love it nearly as much as you oh, do. Yeah, no, I don't know anyone who really does, but uh, uh, maybe Rios, maybe Hassan. Yeah, Rios and Murd. Yeah. 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 But I look at crisis as a very, very necessary evil because without crisis, we wouldn't have had the burn Superman. Right. And w- without the burn Superman, we wouldn't have had the all-time best Superman, the greatest he's ever been or will be, and that's the Triangle books. Yep. Yeah, I mean, we've and we've done entire episodes on on the crossovers and events before, but I I would say that that I know that we've discussed this in the past and, and generally agreed on the idea that um, you know Secret Wars deserves some credit because of its the the magnitude and scope of, of the crossover and how unique it was but that was you know even though you just said Vince that like all events are money grabs the the reason for that was a hundred percent of money grab because they were trying to launch toy line um right i mean that was purely created for the in 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 service of the toy line um whereas crisis you know again it was it was created more as an effort to fix what they saw as broken right um, now I would also argue that, uh, that, uh, you know, best laid plans, it, 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 it has led to a never ending cycle of confusion with DC and whether there's one world or many worlds or one timeline or many timelines, whether we should care one way, you know, so I think they've, they've kind of, it's the, 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 the snake has eaten its own tail many times as a result of that decision. But yeah. at the time it certainly seemed like a, uh, a, a very forward, forward thinking move. Yeah, comparing the two, Secret Wars was fun, but Crisis is the far more meritorious series. I mean, they they did it for largely for aesthetic reasons. This this right. fictional framework needs to make sense. To, to yeah, well, I was going to say in terms of of in as much as we for twenty twenty five years all convinced ourselves that events had to quote unquote matter, Crisis arguably mattered more than any event ever right because it totally yeah. reshaped what totally agree it, it rewrote history in terms of this actually happened this didn't happen and and right right like and and at that time it was coming out we were it, that was gospel right like there was no alternate it was like oh, okay so that's the way it is now whereas a uh, secret wars itself um outside of a few kernels most notably the black suit which turns into venom it it was more of what i think of most events are which is Let's have this big to do, and then put all the chess pieces back where they where we found yeah, them. Yeah, right. Yeah, it was largely. I mean, it was a silly event. But and most, and to be clear, mo- of the seventy-five to a hundred line-wide crossover type events we've had in the last thirty years since, or thirty or four, got forty years with crisis. Um, you know, since that's since that's happened, I would say the vast majority of those have been more of the Secret Wars model of. We're gonna make. We're gonna convince you. You need to buy tons and tons of issues because this is a huge thing. And then most things are gonna go back to the way they were, save for like one or two kernels where we'll, we'll you know, we'll, we'll carry those kernels forward into a new storyline to make the, you feel the like ones it's that get the most fan reaction will keep yes, us around. Yes. Yeah. By the way, um, I have found it is it. The store was called Golden Age Comics. Oh, nice. And the owner and proprietor was named Vinny. Hey. This universe is a fucked up place. It really is. Yeah. I can't find any record of Vinny though. I hope he didn't pass away. I, I can't find like he's he's now he was a real quirky dude and he was an older gentleman at the time. So he he just may not be internet savvy. But I I couldn't find him like on LinkedIn or Facebook or anything. Uh, so how funny is it that you walked into a comic shop called the Golden Age? 
right? That that is hilarious. <laughs> of all of all the genre, of all the uh, of all the ages. Yeah, and the thing was, is it was this little store, but he had he had a, a, a nearby on the same street a, a storage basement with you know hundreds of thousands of back issues. Um, that you could then you could schedule an appointment to go in and, and just 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 bin dive um, if you wanted. That's amazing. Yeah, kind of. I'm jealous. sure he's either he. I'm sure he either sold that collection or slabbed it. I'm sure he. For, in in my in my uh, in my mind, Vinny is sitting on a private island somewhere after slabbing all those books and getting super rich. But I, for all I know, he could be dead. I have no idea. So the uh, when I look at the two. Two events um, side by side, or I line them up. What is obvious? Secret Wars was all about the journey because you knew it was just it was it was a fun romp. It wasn't uh, nothing heavy, purely entertainment. Um, there were no really yes, even though this is what Beyonder claimed, you know, one side will win and the other side will perish, and it, it, that wasn't going to happen, but. With Crisis, it was obviously all about the destination, and it was a wild freaking ride to get there anyway. But yeah, it, it was a, um, there they really are, um, they both served their own, whatever their purposes were. And, and, and yeah, like you said, Jason, now with, I mean, I looked in the last, last month's DC Connect, or one for October, and I guess one of the blurbs for, whatever dark crisis is happening now it's like you know it's like the return or the rebirth of the multiverse and yeah and at the time in 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 1985 wolfman's goal is the the mandate was you know this these this needs to make sense we, we can't have all these different same versions of uh, different versions of the same character and he did that and but we're in an age now where obviously and both companies do it, but you know you have you have the the young adult graphic novels, you have the kids graphic novels, and obviously that's not the same version of Batman that Tom King wrote or 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 that Snyder wrote. And and it's it's okay to have these characters in different settings. You could have Doom Patrol in World's Finest, and you could have Gerard Way's Doom Patrol. Nothing is the one doesn't negate the other, and it's it's fine to tell stories with these characters as long as again there are rules. As long as that version of Bendis's version of Batman from Batman Universe, that one can't slide in into whatever um, JLA book Jeff Johns might be writing at that time. They are they're they're two different Batman, and and that's they each exist in their own stories. There's still rules to to abide by, but it, it's okay to have multiple stories, just like with well, fuck with with Human Target. That's yeah, the the bones are there where that's the Bwahaha Justice League, but obviously it's they're, they're not the same characters that JM and and Keith and Kevin brought to us every month. So yeah, it's the the Wolfman approach is more akin to the way the human mind works. Your your mind wants to categorize. It wants to put things in boxes and make sense out of it. Multiple versions of of all of these characters that's chaos that's not how yeah right. that that's anathema to the way the mind works it, 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 you're mean, always trying to find well how does this fit in with it it doesn't it doesn't fit in oh i yeah, no, yeah, no and I, I think about that a lot like how sometimes we're okay with it sometimes we're not like for example i mean uh i know that um dap and i are are 
big mess or many other people big fans of, of bond right and it's like you know we get a new bond every couple of movies and like generally we're like cool with that like it's like okay now you may you may not like a given bond or like you know you, as you will you may have a favorite or a least favorite but like ultimately we're like okay that's fine like we accept that but like if someone was like oh i'm gonna write a hitchhiker's guidebook now <laughs> like with the same guy i'd be like that would be fanfic to me that would be bullshit like i'd be like no yeah. it's not like well it's just not. like somebody else doing peanuts yeah uh, exactly yeah. so like but i'm saying for some some things we're like nah like there is no it, it cannot happen well it it's like be. what vince said in, in slack the other day it's like there's 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 one absolutely under no circumstances can anyone in any medium deviate from what gerber did with man thing in the comics no it it's right. it's it's heresy yeah no way right but again that's just my interpretation of it um when you establish a backstory a history uh, to a character and then something comes along and says no that's not the way it works the the, the instinctual reaction is to be like fuck you right yeah it is, it, but it's weird though because i do think we 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 do depending on how we are attached to something i mean at least for on thinking of my own it just feels arbitrary because like i'll i'll fucks with almost any sherlock holmes interpretation like if it's well done i'm down for it sure but there was something very special with the way gerber put his identity into Manthe. not so much manthing but howard without steve gerber there's no howard the duck i don't care how successful chip zadarsky's howard the duck was that's not howard the duck sure howard the duck is a mouthpiece for steve gerber period that's that it, it begins with gerber and it ends with gerber there's nothing else again that's my hard line mm-hmm. and and somebody who's just started reading howard the duck with the last incarnation would be like i don't know what you're talking about this stuff is great so uh, well again, even some creators for the way right like when when in between bites of his sandwich when i when i did the claremont panel <laughs> uh you know he said he he doesn't read he doesn't read x books anymore because in his mind like they're wrong <laughs> like yeah. because they're not how he would do it and and you know respect to him. I mean, it seems ridiculous from our vantage as fan, but like okay, yeah, like yeah, like you, he had such an important hand in in the genesis of so much of that that from his his mind, it's like no, I, if I'm not writing it, it's 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 bullshit. It's 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 fanfic, and it's like right. he's not wrong for him. He like on his, like I don't. It's totally logical for him to feel that way, but but obviously most of us don't agree. Right. He cuts the checks though. Signs them. Oh yeah, he's still well. He's got yeah. that sweetheart deal. He's guaranteed uh, income for life from Marvel. <laughs> Gotta love it. Yeah, and I'm hoping you're reading one of mine. And well deserved, though, honestly. <laughs> I, I, my, the only thing about that is, I wish every creator of his vintage had that deal. It's. It. I think it's a rare occasion that somebody that did create all of those characters is still alive to take a look at what's going on today and be like, Nah, that's that's not the way it, it's done. I mean, who else of that caliber is, is still alive and kicking? You mean of like, well, I mean, I mean, Byrne is still alive, right? Yeah, but that's a well, voice. Well, you said who of his caliber. Right, I mean. but that's a voice in the wilderness. Byrne, I mean, has anything he's Alan ever Alan Moore is still alive. Yes, okay, it's another one, yeah. But yep. he obviously is doesn't care. Any, <laughs> he does either doesn't care or is very convincing in the fact that he's lying about it. I mean, Roy, Roy I the think, boy, Roy the boy, Marvel, right? Wolfman's still alive. Yeah, I mean, yep. 
Um, but there's I don't not. Know a, where, I don't know where Marv Wolfman stands on. On like I don't know if he reads modern comics or not. I don't know if I don't feel like I've ever had a conversation well, with him. Or he, no, him I don't. I don't so. know. I don't. I don't know what he's reading these days. He still he still has a love for the medium because he appeared in um, the Crisis crossover on the Arrowverse. Right. He's he's appeared. He and George both appeared in, in Teen Titans Go. And yeah, I, they've they've so so he he realizes you know what is still making him relevant if you want to say but yeah. when, I, when i think about all the creators you just mentioned obviously i mean claremont was pretty much marvel only until you know sovereign seven over dc that he brought to them and and <laughs> yeah, he, so he, they, they kept it but Oops. uh it's it's uh so you know once once he left marvel but i mean he was pretty much he was a franchise he was he was just he was, as far as i knew He's always been at Marvel, and and I, whereas Burn has a tendency to maybe, no pun intended, burn some bridges, and you've got someone like Alan Moore who just, you know, he's the type of guy where you kind of just crossed him once, and and you're dead to him. So I think when it comes to who the publishers might be willing to pay until they shuffle off, uh, Claremont is absolutely somebody who doesn't seem to have. I mean, even if you read any of the interviews or, or any of the anybody in any books based on Marvel in the seventies and eighties, right? About he still seems to be he seems to be pretty easy going. Mm-hmm. Just he went along with it. It's like this is what management wanted, and and the editors told me this, and and you know I just he told his long ass story, and and so he didn't make waves. Whatever he wanted to do with his characters, they, they, they kind yeah. of do, but and they still show up in other books. But as long as his his little corner was fine everything was good so you know you kind of you you kind of reward that kind of guy i guess and and the other Mm -hmm. guys you kind of just like listen you 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 give me some magic every once in a while you you make my life a little more difficult so i'm in really no rush to reward you yeah i mean not it's not 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 something for tonight but it'd be a fun conversation to have sometime thinking about the creators we think that the top creators of all time who never really had the seminal had a seminal run Meaning, like, like one that came to mind to me that kind of made me think of this is like, like Sal Buscema. Like, Sal's a Hall of Famer. Yep. He he's he's contributed important issues on like almost every character ever that was done at Marvel. But like, I don't personally think that Sal Buscema was the had the best run of any of any major Marvel. Well, I mean, I think I, I think depending on their age, Spectacular yeah. Spider Man. Yeah, well, okay, and but again, like Spectacular Spider Man is is that I count that's Spider Man. Like like no like that's not that's okay. Spider-Man's so yeah, you got to yeah. put somebody on Spider Man. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's Spider Man at elevated. And again, I'm not even like I'm not even saying Sal would be. A, I'm saying I, I was thinking like it crossed my mind. I'm like oh, so I think there's lots of tar- people we could throw out. Sure, that, yeah. I mean, for like, Sal, all, Sal like, all, Marvel, like Hall of Fame, yeah, like Hall of Fame level writers and artists who did lots of great work, but like we probably wouldn't be able to credit them with like the definitive run or a, like a like a like an all time best run on any particular book. Joe statement DC. That's another good one, sure. I don't want to say it, but I think it applies. Uh, Herb Trimpey. Sure. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. I mean, yeah. yeah. And I mean, he, he did. He did some pretty important Hulk stories, but yeah, still. Yeah. Wasn't... No, he defined the look and feel of the Hulk for me. But right. would I call the, the books on which he did the art all-time great run? I don't know. I mean, I got one that, that probably is going to set a lot of our somewhat younger listeners off, but 
Did is Jim does Jim Lee fit? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Right? I think so. I mean, yeah, I you, okay, you want to say X-Men? I mean, maybe in terms of like certainly for say if we're counting economics, yes. His 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 run of uh, on X-Men was, you know, one of the greatest selling comics of all time, but but like but three issues if, of Wildcats doesn't count. Yeah, like if I'm if I'm making a list of 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 all the things that Jim spent a good chunk of time working on, um, there's there's great stuff in there. Certainly, you know, again, I Batman, but like I I wouldn't put Batman Hush as a again. A lot of people love that book, but I wouldn't put like I think you'd hard pressed to say Batman Hush is like a seminal Batman story. Like of in that Batman is a seminal character, so maybe Batman Hush is like. You, no, no, you know what I'm saying. Like, like no, I, I know exactly like, what you're there saying. There are a lot yeah. more. There are a lot more Batman stories that probably leave a mark because there's a lot more Batman stories. So I think Batman Hush is an important book to a lot of people. But I don't think if we're being academic about this, Batman Hush would or should be on like a, a top five Batman story list ever. So like, if you're not going to give him that or the X Men, which again, economically sure, but I don't think those those stories are like the best X Men stories ever. Not even close. So like. I don't think Jim Lee fits. And I think most people would assume he does because it's Jim fucking Lee. I mean, yeah. so it's like, right? And then, and then, going to make his case, but yeah, you're right. right. And then you got Frank Miller laughing at everyone from his vantage point at the top of the mountain. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Sure. Sure. Yeah. All right. I think that's something to consider. We should do yeah, that yeah, as a, that's, that's a great theme idea. Yeah. As a, a special episode. Um, uh, Jason, do you have anything else before uh, Dap and I Dap tags me in? No, nah, dude. I, no, I'm, I mean I have other stuff, but but by all means, let's let's have y'all uh, let's have y'all uh, Eiffel Tower me. You know, let's do it. <laughs> um, so uh, backstory. Everyone loves backstory. When Dap and I were plundering the boxes at New York Comic Con, we both stumbled upon a little hole in the wall uh, type stand. Didn't have a whole lot. Uh, but what he did have was a dollar box. And, and you know, yes, a dollar box is, uh, in terms of, of bulk and value for your, your, your money, we like to get, a you know, a 50 cents box is far more preferable to a dollar box. But in the heat of the moment, I was looking through it and I'm like, holy shit, this guy has the whole run of this. And Dap took a look and he's like, wow, he also has this. So I'm like, we need to get these. So we can maybe do something for the show. And um, the box was rife with series from Marvel's heavy hitters run under the uh, Epic imprint. And I bought Law Dog numbers 1 to 10 and the uh, Law Dog Jugger Grimrod special, which I won't be talking about. I talked about it before. It's in the archives. Go look it up. And Dap got, uh, what'd you get, Midnight Men? Yeah, the four issues of Midnight Men by Howard Shaken. And uh, the Crime and Punishment Martial Law Takes Manhattan book, which I talked about recently. And for, yet again, the uh, four issues of Sax and Violins by David N. Perez. Nice. So I had... Um, 98% of the Law Dog run, I was missing one issue, but to find them all for a dollar with the cards still intact, I was like, why not? Uh, You know, uh, so I'm not afraid of duplicates, right? So I read them for this little little tag team operation we got going on here. It was uh, written by Chuck Dixon. 
again, separate the art from the artist. Um, but it was illustrated by Henry Flint Henry, most of it. Um, inks by Bob Dvorak, Mike Barriero, John Strangeland. There's a story built into um, the inking team and uh, Henry Flint Henry's inability uh, to um, ink his own work. And then later in the series, his inability to produce a book on a monthly basis because there's a fill-in issue in the run. Um, the first issue is written, is um, illustrated by Flint Henry and inked by the same. But um, one of the things about this book, it is impacted by some piss poor coloring. Yeah, absolutely horrible coloring. First couple issues are terrible. It gets better as the issue, as the, as the run proceeds to that, that end game with number 10. But Overall, the color art in, in Law Dog is not spectacular. There are some issues that are standouts. They're very nicely done. But the first, like, three are way too dark. You could tell the paper was just sucking that color in. Um, it, and I think it did a disservice to Flint Henry, whose art is very, very detailed. There's a lot of stuff going on. There's a lot of uh, visual information within every panel. And I'll be honest, if, if I was approached to color that period, Flint Henry's work, I would be at a loss because where do you start? It's just so dense, right? Um, so what, what is Law Dog about? Have either of you read Law Dog? I, I, I want to ask. Nope, can't say that I have. No. Okay, well, if you've seen uh, any Mad Max movie or dabbled in uh, Grimjack, I smash those two things together and you'll get Law Dog. Because um, at its core, it's a tale of alternate realities, right? There are times when a major event in the timeline of reality erupts and it causes the that timeline to split it diverges the original reality continues apace and the duplicate trails off into a divergent future right and there are access ways like thin spots where the realities bump up against each other and and the thin spots allow things to traipse into realities that are not their own right so this is where the elect come in. They are a pan-dimensional group of scientists that monitor all of the realities. And if something pops up in a reality to which it doesn't belong, they remove it wherever and whenever they arise, right? So the enforcer for the elect is the roadman, of which Law Dog is one. He just drives this he patrols this lost highway between the realities and he removes by any means necessary these these foreign alternate reality entities that's the entirety of law dog he's just an enforcer that um more often than not there's a lot of big bada boom in this book more often than not he kills them he blows them away with a a plethora of of high caliber weaponry Right. Is it a riff on on? Do you think it was an American riff on Judge Dredd, like a parody? Or Dude, like? you know it. It really it doesn't surprise me that you asked that because there's an analog of Judge Dredd in this book. Okay, like 
your your canniness is really disgusting at at times. <laughs> But um, knowing that Henry Flint Henry did work for 2000 AD, it's not surprising that there would be a Judge Dredd analog in this book, um, albeit written by Dixon, right? So uh, the first issue opens, and there's um, a bar band named the Intangibles. And they have this lovely, though uh, perpetually bored, lead singer named Lena. And they make the wrong turn on their way to this gig or whatever. And they find themselves hopelessly lost. They're looking at a map. It's like, this road's not, this is before GPS. This road's not on the map. What the hell's happening? Well, they're lost because they're on the lost highway. And they get, Law Dog saves Lena from boredom. And she was about to become a human sacrifice. There's this, uh, one of the alternate realities, um, the Infernal is the law of the land these they're they're uh demon worshipers um and and lena at one point is really hungry so um she basically forces law dog to 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 find some place to stay for the night and she goes to get something to eat she has a big ass uh, crucifix It, it was um the the time when when the bling was like the buttons and the big ass you know medallions and stuff she's got an iron cross on her on her jacket that she says she picked up at a Metallica concert. I have never seen an Iron Cross sold at any Metallica concert, but whatever. Um, so this thing that these people they, they they worship demons and they they sacrifice to 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 these supposed demons, and they see her crucifix and they're like, ah, she's one of them. So they 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 try and feed her to this thing called verminous bellicosis aka lord maggot and law dog saves her so they become buddies you know like it's it's basically a, a road movie a buddy picture and a road movie together right there's a reality where the united states never entered world war ii which allowed hitler ample time to develop nuclear weaponry so he takes out new york and washington Chicago surrenders. Um, it, it took the, the Nazis 15 years, but the, the United States is now occupied by Nazis, right? So you get these pockets of freedom fighters that bury themselves in the sticks like ticks. Uh, one of them is called the Posse Americanus, and um, they kind of earn Lena's sympathy, and she coaxes Law Dog to stick around and help them deal with this massive Nazi war mech called Fafnir. Of course it's called Fafnir, right? It's it's a war dragon. Um, but this is where the book gets really cool, and there's there's subtle hints about this going in to the, to the middle of the series, but it wasn't explicitly detailed until this event happened. So Law Dog's trying to blow up this Nazi war mech and he's carrying massive amounts of dynamite. Um, and the, the guy working the trigger of the dynamite set it off too early and it didn't destroy Fafnir. But luckily, um, law dog scoots into these, these tunnels, but there's, there's natural gases and stuff in the tunnels. And he's, almost blown to bits he's in a really really bad way um skin is all fallen off lena's driving the uh, law dog souped up road monster and law dog dies 
he expires. Uh, they, they, they traipse across this reality where there was um, massive bio-warfare and the majority of the population has become uh, flesh-eating zombies. And she's the, the she's in the middle of this this clearing, and all these zombies are banging on the car. Law Dog is dead. She tries to get away. Um, meanwhile, his this is where Dixon drops the bomb that Law Dog's consciousness returns to the elite upon death. It, it, in, in fact, he's died many times in the past. So he's outfitted with a new body. He gets a new ride. Uh, he owes a favor or two, he makes an enemy or two, and he rushes back to that alternate reality to save Lena. But when he gets there, it's six months later. And he doesn't, is she alive? Of course she's alive. But she turns into this um, hard-edged, battle-trained leader, and she ah, she spits bullets, and I'm just, you know, I'm, I'm embellishing. But she's tough, right? She, she's a leader of a band of rebels, and, and they're trying to take out this mad scientist. His name's Doc Freen, and he has a speech impediment. He talks like Elmer Fudd, and you find out why in the fill-in issue in number eight, how he got the speech impediment. But this guy's trying to find, he's trying to collect these antibodies to, to ward off this all this bio-warfare. Of course, Law Dog is just riddled with the antibodies. But um, here's the, 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 the kicker. The um, doctor will only impart the cure to those he deems worthy. The dude's racist, right? Um, there's a, a reality. Uh, as as Lena is driving the car and she's, she's trying to get from point A to point B, she goes through this reality where um, there's, it's a superhero based reality there's uh, a superhero called captain danger and he has a, a sidekick named speed break and he's in a battle with his his arch nemesis the quizzler and it's basically the riddler but um the the guy's uh, uh headgear is a big question mark it's ridiculous right and lena runs him over kills him and that does not sit well with Captain Danger because he's like the upstanding. He's, he's basically Superman and Captain America mixed together with a little bit of Captain Action. But like Jason Guest, there's a Judge Dredd analog called Judicator 999 who patrols the uh, mecha ghettos. There's uh, Joy X Abandon and her gun-toting biker bitches that are hot on the trail. It's just an amazing book. It's a lot of fun. But like I said, Henry couldn't maintain a monthly schedule. So they had a fill-in issue with, I believe it was number eight. And one of the most dire signs that I've ever perceived of an ongoing series, whenever the creators insert themselves into the story, that's never, ever a good sign. Um, Gerber did it at the end of his Man-Thing run. Claremont did it at the end of his Man Thing run. Whenever the, the the creators pop up, hey, it's John Byrne. Like that's not a, a ever a good idea. And in in issue eight, both Chuck Dixon and Flint Henry show up in the first couple pages, and they're they're like, yeah, you may, you can't maintain a, a monthly schedule. And Flint's like, he's he's at at his wits end, and he's exhausted. He's <laughs> at the drawing board, and it's basically a number of stories that fill in the blanks from 
part of what you've read before. Like we found out why Doc Freen has a lisp. Um, but David is going to squeal because there is a Captain Danger and Speed Break story written and, well, maybe maybe just drawn by Mark Hansen. And it is complete Doc Gorpon, Ralph Snart style. Like it, he's not pretending to play in somebody else's playground. It is over the top, right? Um, but the pun uh, here is the draw for me was completely for, uh, Henry Flint Henry. Like I think the guy is a genius. His work is phenomenal. The the detail, it's not Jeff Darrow level of detail, but it's really close at times. Like he just infuses his his panels with just so much bric-a-brac. And his zombies are amazing. They're disgusting. The, the William Stout-ish zombies. Um, the Nazi war machine is phenomenal. Like everything in this book is just a visual treat. But it's it it's a it's a pedal to the metal joyride from the beginning to the end. And it ends in a way that I did not see coming. I forgot about the ending. Um, it's really cool. And you, like I said, you could get this thing for peanuts. It's so cheap. I got it for a buck, and I think I paid too much for each issue, right? I, I, do you know, uh, I should know this, but do you guys know if this stuff is on the Marvel Unlimited app? Mm-mm. I doubt No, it, but the thing with... Epic uh, is creator-owned. Yeah, Epic, Epic was all creator-owned. So um, I, would, I would really doubt it. But there are ways to read this, right? You buy back issues. I don't think the the heavy hitter stuff was ever collected in trade, was it, Dap? Well, I believe Saxon of Islands, but I think that I think they brought it over to IDW or something for that. But right. there, there probably were, and I'm sure maybe the Alien Legion stuff, because uh, that also was under one of the that was a mini or two that was under the heavy hitters imprint. Yeah, um, when then they pulled Jugger Gridrom, Grid, uh, right? Grimrod. Jesus, my mouth is not working. It's a hard. It's a hard name to say. Jugger Grimrod. They pulled him into the. There's a a a, a single panel in an issue where uh, Law Dog's jumping into another reality, and he everything whites out. And they say, "You want to find out what happened here? Get the Law Dog." Jugger Grimrod one shot on sale now. Like that's awesome. I wonder about the um the trouble with girls stuff. I sent when we were discussing it Monday night about doing the uh oh Rama, I sent the link which I'll shared in the Slack when um when the episode's posted. But uh basically of everything all the heavy hitters um series that uh that epic had printed um with a quick little write-up and as i'm going through the list like maybe the trouble with girls might have been collected in another sort of because that was carried over that that originally was published elsewhere and then they uh eternity right yeah and then uh with with the which i i really hope one of these days jason gets to read the trouble with girls because blevins did the art on the oh uh, it's on the epic stuff. yeah it's astounding What's Blevins? Come on. Yeah. Right? Uh, yeah. So. But um, I'm going to hand it off to David. But like I said, Law Dog is just phenomenal. It's very, very much in the, the, the 2000 AD way of thinking. It's, it's extremely over the top. 
uh, Lena is is very cute, and Flint milks her her uh, skinny white chick body for every drop he can. <laughs> yeah. The um, so yeah, I I found nine books. Vince wanted to me to find ten. I couldn't. Um, there was one. I think there was one miniseries that uh, he may have been missing an issue of, so I didn't, I, I, I didn't get that. So yeah, so I did leave, like I said, with Midnight Men and The Sacks of Violence, the first which I hadn't read before. I remember it being uh, solicited. I remember it being announced. Um, did the first issue of Law Dog have a um, an embossed cover, Vince? Cardstock embossed cover, yeah, yeah. All the first issues, for what I know, all the first issues had a uh, had that type of cover. Um, the so, so Midnight Men hadn't read before. I don't know if I mean, I'm I'm a Howard Shaken fan. Love the man's work. Love his sensibility. Love his sense of humor. Um, obviously, I haven't read everything he's done as evidence by what's in my hand because this was published first issue came out in june or cover date june 1993 um this as i'm reading it this kind of came across as though howard had a couple ideas either marvel came to him or he saw an opportunity with this heavy hitters line and, and figured you know he'd Shake is one of his ideas there in the drawer. Um, because there's 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 a germ here. There are things here that could have would have been nice to see fleshed out um over time. I Howard's no stranger to the medium and he knows how to work the page and, and tell a story in the amount of pages and however long that story is going to tell. But this for a miniseries, um Aesthetically, there's some well, the, the the packaging. So the first issue, the cover, um, West Coast Creators in High Flying Adventure, Part One of Four, and it spells out one and four. Second issue, Part Two of Four on the cover, spelled out. Third issue, Part Three of Four to Three and Four actual num- are, are just numbers, and the fourth issue just says the final chapter. So there's a little bit of inconsistencies there with it, with, with how things were, were presented, but, um, the story itself, I feel really didn't need four issues to tell. Um, the, uh, the midnight men, basically they're stuff of legends and, and starting in 1850 is when the first midnight man appeared. And um, in the first couple pages of the first issue, they just kind of run down uh, who they were and uh, and their years of um, of service. So uh, El Hombre uh, was um, 1850 to 1865. El Sombra, 1865 to 1880. El Lobo, 1880 to 1905. Don Quixote to 1920. Nighthawk to 1935. Dark Angel 1, 1935 to 1950. Dark Angel 2, 1950 to 1965. And that's kind of like where the last one was ever um, written about or known of. But our um, our hero, 
um, was uh, is is a a, a gentleman um, who let's see, his name is Barnett, and he's he's in town. He's in he's in California for his father's funeral, and um, and there's he, he's kind of surrounded by grifters, con men, and and, and thieves, and and uh, there's an old man who just is you know he's walking around while you know grabbing some pate and and checking out the buffet. He's also grabbing um, wallets out of women's pocketbooks, and uh, Barnett notices takes the wallet out of my man's suit pocket while he's talking to him, brings it back to the woman who he took it from. And, and he's kind of just catching up. And there's, uh, he, he goes and sees, um, I'm not going to say it's a stepmother, but the woman who was with his father. Uh, and, and she's kind of getting slightly roughed up by, by this overweight blonde dude who, um, who knows Barnett's history. Barnett's a safe cracker. And uh, he's like, listen, I, I loaned your dad. I gave your dad one of my dad's. Um, uh, his name is Dwight. So Dwight, Dwight Youngblood, Dwight's dad has a collection of, of Fabergé eggs. Dwight loaned Barnett's dad the egg and now wants it back. So he needs to break because because once Dad finds out it's missing, you know he's going to have Dwight's Dwight's hide. Um, and Barnett's like, listen, I got to get back to New York. I have other shit going on. And uh, Dwight's like, yeah, no, um, you're gonna you're gonna get this egg back for me tonight, or you know people are gonna get hurt. And um, and so Barnett, you know, kind of just goes along with it, and uh, and and he's able to to get the egg, and all of a sudden, in comes crashing the dark angel and uh and he he's after the egg and a little bit of a fight breaks out barnett escapes with the egg uh dark angel chases after him they both lunge out the window as barnett's falling dark angel swoops down swings by and grabs him but in grabbing him dark angel impales himself on a flagpole that's you know outside against the building like like skyscrapers tend to have and he's just hanging there and barnett is able to kind of um shimmy his way down from the side of the building and he goes and visits his mom and uh pops his folks are divorced um and uh he he lets mom know how his night's going and and dark angel is dead and uh he's talking about the um the Fabergé egg, and, and he opens it, and there's like a, a, a piece of microfilm. And uh, and that's what, that's the whole thing. That's the reason why Dwight wanted to get, that, Dwight wanted to get the egg back to Dad, obviously. But of all the eggs to take, Dad's a little irate that uh, he's got the one that has the microfiche. There's a little bit of a mystery as, as the issues continue with um, who the Midnight Men are. And um, the, it, it, it's an interesting story and, and how Barnett meets up with, uh, with an old flame and, uh, and she's happy he's back in town and, and, and they kind of hit it off again. Um, we meet Dwight's father, who's actually like, uh, some big wig Hollywood star who's got buildings named after him. And 
he, uh, he th- there's this kind of like underlying plot of um, of like the, what's on the microfilm is this formula for like some some anti aging process because you know God forbid Hollywood actors ever get old so uh, that's what Dad's all about and he's trying to figure things and, and he, so he's he's got his own thing going on Dwight's just a bully and um, He's got some henchmen who just want to fuck up Barnett because, you know, he made Dwight look like an idiot. Um, Barnett's mom is knows some guy who may or may not be Dark Angel. And and, and, and that's a neat little mystery there as well. Um, the, 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 there's the action's pretty solid. It's it's an interesting enough story. Um, and then it ends with. A new Midnight Man, and and uh, you know whether or not that's Barnett, I won't spoil it. But Shaken kind of already did on the cover of the first issue, so um, some of the covers were a little didn't really jive line up with what's going on in in inside each individual issue. But you know, listen, I'm 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 glad I read it. It's still Shaken's art. I dig it a lot. Um, there's a lot of uh, a lot of Yiddish, a lot of Jewishisms going on in the first issue, which Shaken's good at, and I enjoyed seeing. Um, but his characters, you know, they're the typical Shaken characters. Barnett looks like a cross between you know, Ruben Flag and, and Dominic Fortune, and 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 uh, it, it's it, the women are attractive as hell. Um, it's easy to tell that, that nobody's hiding. Who they really are, whether it's 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 in their appearance or or, or their face, you kind of know who's the good guys, who are the bad guys, um, and it, it, it's easy to follow in that way. You got excellent lettering by John Workman, of course. Uh, it, it's I am I am really glad I read it. I uh, it's one of those things where um, I like I said I didn't read it when it was. When, when it was originally out uh so it was definitely an easy fix but um but yeah i, I kind of just because i like shaking and i know what he can do um there were moments in the four issues where i'm not going to say i was let down but just that i know i just i have a feeling of what could have been and and um and it's it, it reads like a typical shaken story um and it looks like a typical shaken story so there's nothing wrong there but it was um it was it was entertaining it's interesting i dig it um but uh but i kind of had high expectations and that's my own fault just because like i said i know i know what shaken can do and and um i'm kind of always going to have whether you know it's it's satellite sam or whatever else he's got going on at images you know it's like whatever if i see shaken doing something I kind of have uh, certain expectations, and they don't always meet the mark. But it, it, it more often than not, it's still a fun or, or entertaining ride to um, to get to it. Did you read it? When it was coming outfits. I sure did. What'd you think? I cannot remember a single page of it. <laughs> So it's not just me. All right. So it's. Okay. I mean, I I I bought it. I have it still. Um, mm-hmm. But uh, if you quizzed me, I knew there was a pulpy. Like Jason yes. would hate the hell out of this book. Well, he would hate. He would hate the first couple of pages. Yeah, 
but, but then it's very I mean like you could picture like a younger um post smoking the band that Burt Reynolds playing the character. Yeah. Mm, that's cool. Yeah, but yeah. it's 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 kinda like uh I can't separate those visuals from Dominic Fortune. It's right. very similar. Yeah. And uh no, I, I if memory serves, I liked it as much as I enjoyed any of the the heavy hitter stuff back in the day. Uh, but uh, it it has completely evaporated from my my memory. Yeah, the yeah, details, I mean, it's, the details. It's when 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 you think of, I mean, you think of how shaking you turn. Most people are probably going to think of of American Flag, maybe Times Square or Black Kiss, obviously. But yeah, there are some. Howard's done enough work over the years where there probably are some things you're like, oh yeah, he did that too. So yeah. Uh, and the other the, the other book I've I've. Talked about in the past. Um, Sex of Islands is a story by uh, Peter David and and George Perez. There are a couple of issues where um, Art Nichols and Arnie Starr kind of help out with Ink Assist. Um, Ernie Ernie Schultz, uh, nicknamed Violins, is because in the Vietnam War he was the photographer um, and he saw some shit and he did some shit. Uh, but these days he's kind of a cheesecake and pinup photographer. Um, lingerie suits, softcore things like that, and then there's um Juanita JJ Sachs, and uh, she's one of those models who dresses up. Um, and one of uh, JJ's friends gets killed in a snuff film. Um, and she finds out, and and as the um as the henchmen of the people making the snuff film are trying to dispose of Wendy's body. Um, the idiot in the passenger seat is looking at the photos taken that day at, at on the set and is trying to show the driver while he's driving through midtown Manhattan. Uh, all the, I'll oh, check out this chick's tits and I can't believe she's dead. And um, shows the fo- photos in front of the driver's face and he ends up hitting a couple cars Back of the van pops open. Wendy's body falls out, and and now of course the cops are involved. And so once we know, once once Juanita sees the uh, the news article, the headlines, she goes ballistic. And uh, because she was supposed to bring an outfit from Ernie's place to Wendy that night, um, and once she found out that you know Wendy was missing, and then sees that you know she's dead and now headless. Um, She's uh, she's she wants to make the bad guys pay. So uh, she dons some black leather, gets a bullwhip, and um, and starts looking for the guys that uh, that killed her friend and Ernie because he has a massive crush on JJ and he's slightly older than she is. Uh, um, he doesn't want to see her get hurt, so he decides to go after her and make sure that she doesn't get into too much trouble. Um, and they do. They they end up. Uh, JJ finds the the snuff film folks, faces them. She's getting. Uh, she's not faring too well in the fight. Ernie shows up, handles his business, um, and then they uh, they 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 get out of dodge and um, and then they just follow the trail as to who's behind. 
the snuff films, what else is going on? There's kids involved now, and what the hell are they doing? And they end up down in New Orleans, and it's it was it was really fun to look at because it's it's George. The story story is pretty straightforward, um, and apparently, and, and Peter talks about it in in the back matter. Um, there was uh, there was a bit of a delay between issues. The cover for cover date on issue number one is november of 1993 the cover date of number two is may of uh thankfully of 94 and then june and then july so there was a little bit of a delay and and i don't know if it was um if it was on on david's side or george's side i don't know what else uh, i'd have to look to see what else george was working on at the time uh, i don't think this was the cross-gen days yet but um he uh they told the story. They finished it. It's kind of open ended. So if if other stories were going to continue, it would have been um, it would have been neat to see. But it 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 the whole idea was that um, as as he explains in in the back of the first first issue, um, you've got uh, you know um, apples and oranges, salt and pepper, Democrats, Republicans, up and down ham and eggs, and there's like. There's similarities with everything there, or they they kind of go together. But then you have sex and violence, and it's like you know how, why are, why do they tend to go together? And he goes in this whole, goes down this rabbit hole of of explaining things and why people think the way they think. And but I always thought the the title of the book was pretty catchy, even though the violence is kind of a silly amalgamation. But it, it it's a um, it was I bought this solely because. It's it's George Perez drawing hot women, but the uh, I, I I do like I do like the team of David and Perez, whether it's this or Hulk. Um, they I, I I think they they work well together. George Perez can work well with just about anybody, I think. But this was um, this is one of those things where I just I I I've read it probably more often than than I ever thought I would. I read it when it came out because i did buy this when it was coming out and um i probably read it a handful of years ago and then i found the trade i think at at, at heroes one year and i'm pretty sure i read that and so i mean I've, I've i've read it quite a few times over the past bunch of years but um it was it's it's quite different than midnight men in in tone and feeling and look but uh the um the story itself is you just want to see it did What's nice about Saxon violence is that you do see the um, the bad guys get theirs. At, at, at least there's some closure there. Um, our heroes live to fight another day, um, and and you know it's at first there's there seems to be a um, when it gets a little hot when uh, thinking about all the fighting that had happened and. Um, and so she's skinny dipping and she's coming on to Ernie. And then the next, the next morning, everybody wakes up and, um, she's kind of got second thoughts and, and think, you know, maybe, uh, maybe, maybe we just remember that it being a great time and, and not dwell on it and, or, or thinking about happening again, but uh, they do, she ends up catching feelings for him and, and, uh, and everybody's happy in that regard. But yeah, it was, it was neat to revisit, um, pretty much exactly how I remembered it because I this one is a lot more vivid in, in, in my memory than some other works but 
it was it was fun going through those grades, Vince. It always is. Yeah. If we could only convince the boy to do it with us. Yeah, someday. No, no, I don't see that day happening <laughs> at all. So you know what? We we took up a lot of time. I want you to fill our ears with with the good, good. You talking to me? Uh, yes. <laughs> well, you know, sometimes we all can get to talking to the point where I think we talked about something and we didn't. True that. Yeah. Which is pretty ridiculous. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I know it's coming. But, uh, <laughs> yeah, Jesus. and I had, I finally said to you guys this week, I'm like, by the way, I'm like, did I talk about nope. so-and-so? And you were like, nah, son, we're waiting for you to talk about it. You never did. And I'm like, God damn. And I don't know. I mean, it was on the list to discuss for uh, uh, many weeks. And I think what happened is I wanted to make sure I didn't give a short shrift. And it just, the flow of the conversation just kept, kept getting to a point where I was like, nah, I'm like, I don't, I'll talk about it next week. But uh, but the time is now because it had gone so long that I I had convinced myself we did talk about it and I had already removed it from my to to do list. But um, there are uh, those the regular listeners know if, if we ask them, hey, give us a uh, a list of, of of each of our three ten favorite creators, they probably would would do a pretty good job of it. I think right, they'd all probably be like they'd they'd get at least seven or eight out of the ten. I'm sure if not if not more and. Um, if you did that for me, there's a good chance that all three of these gentlemen would be on the list. Uh, and, and those gentlemen are Jeff Lemire, Matt Kent, and David Rubin. Uh, I am, of course, talking about Cosmic Detective. Now, this was uh, – th- there weren't many good things to come out of COVID. I think we can all agree. But uh, there were a few good things, one of which is me getting to work at home. That's, that's a good thing. Uh, and uh, Cosmic Detective, uh, it, it came out of COVID. Um, you know, it, it was only two years ago, but time flies. But we were uh, at the start of the pandemic. There were a lot of uncertainties and questions about the very nature of the comics industry, whether or not it would continue, at least in the form that we had come to know it. Because Diamond had basically just said, "Nah, dude, we're closing down. We're not. We're not. We're not shipping books. We'll let. We'll get back at you." And um, that had even the most uh, successful and and ardent creators um, putting their heads together and saying, "Well, uh, we should at least like think about how we might go about handling our business." Um, you know, if things are different, and uh, you know, part, on one hand, we had people like uh, like like Phillips and Brubaker deciding to do graphic novels, which gave us these amazing reckless books, which I'm sure once you Jamokes get your next packages uh and get a chance to read it we'll talk about the new reckless book but but uh in the case of jeff and matt and and rubin who are all um friends and and frequent collaborators uh they said you know what let's we've had this idea that we've been dancing in our heads for uh, a bunch of years since we all started working together on the black hammer stuff and other things and uh let's do it let's 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 do a kickstarter so back in 2020, they launched a Kickstarter for Cosmic Detective, and it was wildly oversubscribed, um, uh, you know, immediately funded and all that good stuff. And um, it took about two, two and a half years to come to fruition, uh, but it finally arrived in all of its glory, and uh, it was magnificent. It is, uh, first of all, if, if you know anything about Matt Kent, you know that uh, he is obsessive about not only 
the uh, like the creation of the story itself. But he he loves the form factor of comics. He's always had full creative control over the size of his books, the binding, the paper stock, the lettering, the ink. I mean, he 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 micromanages that process to the nth degree. And you see it here with Cosmic Detective. It is a nine by twelve oversized hardcover with uh, a beautiful uh, uh, silk ribbon to hold your place. Uh, it, it is just it's it's thick, glossy cardstock paper. It is just a gorgeous book from 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 front cover to back cover. So the production itself is just moi, like belongs on a bookshelf. Um, the the subtitle for Cosmic Detective is a sci-fi noir tale. So. Um, Definitely one of those books where I'm absolutely sure that if uh, Dapper Vince uh, ever have the occasion to read this, they will love it as well. Um, I, I know they don't they don't worship at the altar of Lemire, Kent, and Rubin uh, as much as I do, although they're fans of their work. But but I think you guys would love this book too. Um, the opening uh, credits give uh, basically give total thanks to Kirby and say this is their love letter to Kirby. It should be in every so, book. Yeah, but but so you know you're in for a treat, and yeah. uh, and that's exactly what this is. Essentially, it is, um, a, a, like a fifty style noir detective who is our protagonist. He's been called in to investigate a murder, and the murder is of a an omnipotent being that uh, in the book they they every time the 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 person murdered is is mentioned they they have a little thing that says redacted. Um, interestingly enough, though, in the in the back matter in the scripts, it was uh, he was referred to as an Eternal. So I'm guessing I'm guessing they they you know the Eternals were the were the impetus, but obviously they couldn't use Eternals, and then they decided rather than to rename it, they would just do Redacted to have a little fun with it. But anyway, yeah, wait, 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 wait a minute. Who are you? You you read the script in the back matter, dude? This is different. This is my no, boys. this is not different at this all. My boys. Oh, so this we pick boys, and though. choose when we want to read the back matter. Yeah, this is my boys. Yeah. Anywho, I see how uh, the protagonist comes across a murdered, uh, omnipotent being. I'll, I'll say eternal for the sake of the narrative because it's annoying to say redacted. Uh, and he's like, "What the fuck?" Like he's like, "They they can't die. Like they're 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 you know internal. They they don't die. Like they're gods. How is that possible?" Um, so he has to investigate the the, the murder, and we find out that uh, very quickly that he works for a secretive organization like a, a shadow organization. He's one of their agents. And uh, they say to him in a very stern way, like you've got a week to figure out who did this and how. And if you don't, then we'll find another agent who can. So he has to go about figuring out this mystery. And the book is essentially a, a noir detective murder mystery involving uh, a Kirby-esque um, new God slash eternal character. And our protagonist has to go through a bunch of crazy scenarios that are rendered just exquisitely by Rubin. Uh, and I will say that, um, I mean, you guys know I love his work. And, and in this book, he not only draws the book. Um, now, he most of the time, he his original art is penciled. Um, in this case, he pencils, inks, colors, and letters the whole book. So he's responsible for 100% of the visual presentation of the book. Um, and it's just nifty, man. Like, like at one point... Um, the detective's at a bar and he takes a couple of shots and it like activates something and it whisks him away. And rather than just having him like pop like a Banff type of pop from one area to the next, they have a double page spread where you see him basically 
getting peeled away layer by layer. So you see him and then you see his his musculature and then the skeletal and then the cellular and then reassembled as the page goes on into this this other area where the cabal is that gives him the orders. In another section, he's trying to talk to this doctor who's doing an autopsy and he uh, pops the trunk of this uh, of like this old Studebaker in a garage and uh, inside of it is this glowing like pink Kirby crackle energy and he and, and steps leading down from the engine hull and he goes down to the steps and it's like this crazy Kirby lab with all the scientific stuff and they're doing an autopsy on this dude and it turns out the the god was killed by a uh, a pill that he swallowed that was a mini black hole so we're dealing with like high science high concept stuff and uh and he has to unravel this mystery with with people that are uh, have very vested interest in not having him figure it out, uh, including perhaps some of the people he heretofore thought were allies. Hint, hint, and um, <laughs> and yeah, it's just a, it's just a high adventure noir whodunit that, uh, as you can imagine, takes us in a lot of interesting ways. And when you have two writers the caliber of of Jeff and Matt at the helm, um, you get a lot of twists and turns, a lot of aha moments that pay off really well wrapped up in a neat bow with like a mind-blowing conclusion at the end that you're like oh fuck that's so cool um this is a perfect comic to me i mean you know i know we we're accused sometimes on the show being hyperbolic because we do love comics but this for me and i can't speak to anyone else but for me this is like a perfect comic like there's nothing about this comic that i would want done differently uh you know you guys know i love rubin i think this art is uh i'm not saying he's the best comic artist but for me his art, generally speaking, is as good a comic art as I personally would want to see. Like, like I'm not saying there aren't others of his caliber that I enjoy too, but when I look at his work, it fills me with unending joy. Nice. Like every everything about it, the the pacing, the faces, the panels, the the design, everything about his art just like, energizes me. And you know, this is just like every page I just poured over, and I've I've read it twice. But you guys know I don't do a lot. Um, and you know, they're two of my favorite writers and certainly two of my three or four favorite modern writers, right. Along with like maybe Hickman and Remender. And so uh, the fact that they all collaborated together and created this, this perfect singular vehicle in this one volume. And, and I, you know, could, could they revisit it? Yeah, they could. Sure. I mean, you know, they've set this world up and they've got this detective as the, Certainly there could be more tales to tell, but I, I think there's no need to. I think they kind of like, they came in, they did what they needed to do, and they got out, and uh, it stands on its own, and I think um, I think everybody needs to read it. And I, I know a lot of people ordered it, um, so, you know, I'm sure it's 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 been well read, but, but damn, oh damn, this is, if, if all comics were like this, whew, man, the world would be a... The world would be a happy place. We wouldn't have the nonsense we have going on. I'll tell you that. Cure a lot of things. <laughs> the nonsense. So, um, I, I, where I, can I this it. be bought? Yeah, that's that's a bit of a conundrum because it has not been solicited. I know most people are used to with, um, you know, these days with with Kickstarters. Um, you know, the the belief is generally like, oh, I'm I'm not going to back it because it'll eventually it'll just be available in. Uh, you know, in, in, in previews at some point, but, but to date it has not been offered. So if you didn't order the Kickstarter, I'm pretty sure other than buying it from David or Matt or Jeff, um, like at a con, I'm not sure you can get it. Honestly. Um, 
maybe I'm wrong there, but I, I don't I don't think this is available unless like a store. Now they did have, um, as a lot of Kickstarters do, a retailer tier where retailers could order Wumba copies, um, and so perhaps there's a lot of like bigger stores that would that would be out in front of that that you can buy it from them if it wasn't already pre-ordered. But yeah, I don't I don't know. Um, and to be fair, I reread the solicit, like the Kickstarter campaign, and it called it the Kickstarter Exclusive Edition. So it does presume that they are going to put this up for reprint for broader distribution, but it hasn't happened yet. So, uh, you know, if I had to guess, this is going to be a Dark Horse book would be my guess if they're going to. Yeah, just because all three of those gentlemen have done a lot of their work at Dark Horse before. Um, and like, you know, obviously Rubin worked with Matt on Ether. And uh, all three of them did Black Hammer, both at Dark Horse. So I would presume Dark Horse, but it has not been solicited yet in that way. Interesting. So that that is a gating factor right now. Yeah, I like to give you shit about David Rubin. Um, I I like his work a lot, but the thing that um, pushes me away is that there's a lot of it. So I know that if I buy one, I'm going to be in for the whole, the whole ball of wax, right? It's this, for this very same reason why, other than the the book that we talked about on the show that we all read, I've read almost zero Black Hammer. Uh huh. Because obsessive compulsive, I'm going to have to have all of it if if I if I read it, because I mean that's just how we roll. And sure. uh, I mean, I enjoyed what we read, but um, I think it's cool the the concepts and. But I, I have to be very wary of of new stuff because uh, I'll go all in. And at this point, sure, but you playing go all catch in up, lots of things. I mean, that's you're king, that, of, you're king of the manga. I mean, that's the thing, right? I I go all in on a lot of things, and um, you know. I don't have the the Woody and Stately Wayne Manor, right? Bruh. So, well, the good thing for you is this is one volume, so right. I'm I'll have to get it. I searched for it on Amazon. There's a a, a Spanish, uh, well, at least the the text is in Spanish, uh, but there's nothing on uh, domestic to get that book. So you're probably yeah. right. You're gonna have to get it from uh, the creators. Yeah, yeah. I'll um. I'll I'll reach out to to um, I'll reach out to our people. I'll reach out to Jeff and ask him. Yeah, just tell him to send us a copy. <laughs> there you go. He's a little busy right now. He's still running <laughs> his county, but yeah, he's a big he loves us. Yeah, he's a big deal. He does. That's a truism. He does. Right. Yeah. All right, that's awesome. It looks great. Yeah. The the images I yanked for it are just they're delicious. You're right. All right, everybody. Let's see what we got here. Looking at the clock. Yeah. Thank you for listening to this once again. We hope you return next time when we'll have more of the same. Um, In the meantime, if we would like to check out the Patreon page, do so. Patreon.com forward slash 11 o'clock comics for all the reasons that I uh, mentioned on the head of the episode. For uh, Jason, you said another bunch of stuff that resonated with me that... um, you know, you, you don't want to gloss over anything. You don't want to give, uh, because of the magnitude of the work, you want to give it its due, 
right? So I have had this on deck for the past two episodes, and I need ample time to convey my feelings on this book. It's much in the same way that you described uh, Cosmic Detective. It's perfect to me. This book is how I would like to see all comics, but all comics can't be done like this because this is a unique vision from the the mind and the hand of one man. I'm going to say for next time, get your hands on a book called Abysmalation, published by Birdcage Bottom Books, and it's... Um, we can tag team on that. Yes, and I know I saw you bought it, and it filled my heart with joy. And um, it is from the goat himself, Josh Bayer. I don't say that lightly. He he is. If I think of like, I love a bunch of artists, a bunch of creators. There's something very special and unique about every one of them. But if I had to do that thing, our brains like to do and rank the one that means the most to me. Um, it's Josh Bayer. You know this. I'm not telling you guys anything you don't know. Uh, this book was phenomenal, and uh, I want to talk about it next week or next episode. Let's say. Right on. I mean, uh, that, that I know I can't. Re- what was the I know a few episodes back you were raving about that publisher that you get the care packages from that. Um, I, what was it? Uh, Desert Island. Desert Island. And then I was saying, yeah, Birdcage Bottom is like that. And that's what I just got. I just got the latest um, catalog for Birdcage Bottom. That was part of that package. Like there was a uh, seven or eight, you know, uh, works included in that ranging from paper stapled mini comics to uh to a full graphic novel, uh, two, two, two full graphic novels, one of which was The Bear, but... Yep. I think... Mine, the, go ahead. Well, you bought it, too? Yeah, my my uh, my shipment should arrive on, um, on, I think, Friday? But it's coming, yeah. 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 Okay. Did you get the one with the, with the signed print? I got the one... Um, uh, let's see. I ended up... I got whatever the the 2022 is, and then I also I added on um, I added on the four issues of Flop Sweat. Um, did I get the? I do not think I got a signed print. I think I just wanted the books. Yeah, you mm-hmm. you your boy got that one. What? Oh, you, I, yeah, you got I, signed print. Yeah, come on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, before Dap goes on his inner travels, we should also mentioned that next episode uh is the book of the month oh right yes stray bullets stray bullets the first seven issues of the original series collected as uh as trade paperback labeled nihilism if i'm not mistaken right innocence of nihilism Nihilism. is 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 it is it monday or is it because if we do another episode I, i i wasn't sure if the book of the month was going to be the next episode because Vince has to work Monday. Or if I mean, we got to do. We got to do. We we. No, I know we, it's we it's going to happen. I mean, right, right. But by the time, I mean the the, the way the we'll, we'll we'll talk about this. Yes, yeah. yes. We're, 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 <laughs> the, the next month. episode is the book it's of like, the month. It, when it when it hits your earwaves is to be determined. But. It's like mom and dad have something to talk about. We can't talk in front of the kids. <laughs> right. No, I'm just because I know we still owe them, but I don't mm-hmm. know if the way everything plans out. If anyway, all right. Uh, before I do my new travels, because it's not going to be in too much detail because I didn't finish the issue yet, I do want to give a shout out to um, 
friend of the show, uh, Matt Lesniewski, and his new um, crowdfunded work, Faceless and the Family. You can uh, you can get the first uh, volume of that series. Uh, he's using Zoop. So it's uh, zoop.gg slash c slash faceless and the family all one word um and uh i i read the first chapter and it's matt and it 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 looks amazing um i uh look forward to seeing the 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 rest of um of this graphic novel but i definitely wanted to because it's still uh, still about two weeks left in the campaign so i want to make sure if anybody wasn't aware of it that there is more Lesniewski works to be gotten, and I feel bad if uh, folks weren't aware of it and found that after the fact. So there's that. And in your travels, I'm just going to give a quick little shout out to a uh, a new book from Boom Studios by Simon Spurrier, uh, Charlie Adlard, and Sophie Dodgson, and it is Damn Them All. Um, and it's um, as I'm reading it. And after we had read uh, Original Sins, the first Hellblazer volume, I'm definitely getting a heavy Hellblazer vibe. Definitely a Hellblazer vibe on it, for sure. Uh, but I dig the art because it is color. Um, Charlie looks a little different because he doesn't have the uh, Rathburn Gray tones going on here, but or the wash. But um, I like it. I, I, I like the look of it a lot. Uh, there's a little bit of, um, that's kind of like a Hickman infographics kind of uh thing going on with with the description of uh some of the um the magics of the ck uh but i like um i like ellie our our uh, our main character and and we start off with uh, her giving us a little bit of info on how she came to be and about her uh, her uncle alfie um but the art's great i'm i'm looking forward to uh finishing the issue and um and, and seeing where the series goes from here. So so Simon and, and Charlie seem to uh have something pretty special with this uh with this first issue with this new series from Boom. So in your travels, damn them all. Nice, glad you dug it. Um in your travels, uh just a quick shout out to uh a little deeper cut on the Marvel tip these days, Strange. Mentioned it in the first issue. We're now through seven issues. Uh, I'm just digging it, man. I, I like what they're doing. I don't think it's something that'll last for all that long because the whole premise is that Clea, who, uh, for those that aren't up to date on your Marvel, uh, is Doc Strange's wife, wifey. Um, she takes over the mantle of being the Sorcerer Supreme after he dies. But, uh, you know, she's she's used to getting her way because she's like, you know, a bad bitch of the dark arts. And she's like, the whole thing is about her trying to figure out how to bring him back. And uh, pretty much everywhere she tries, they're like, nah, you can't do that. Like, you can't. Like, I know people come back to life in the Marvel, but like, this is Doctor Strange. You can't, like, that's not just giving him up. You know, like, that's not happening. But she's like, the hell it ain't. So it's just her going about her business as both kind of doing double duty as, as acting as the Earth's source supreme and, and all the responsibility that comes with that while also trying, along with Wong, to uh, get her boo back. And um, it's written by Jed McKay, and I've said this before, I think he, I think McKay is, is one of the next big things in Big Two Comics. I think uh, the work that he's done the last few years on smaller titles has been top-notch, like 
everybody I know that have read, I've read some of his stuff, the stuff I haven't read. It seems like I'm always hearing good things about it from those who are. He hasn't been on a huge book yet, but I think that's coming. Um, I think he'll be in a few years, like one of the people that'll get tasked to do an event, you know, and it'll be like McKay's turn to do an event. But anyway, uh, I think he's doing a great job. Uh, I think Clea is wildly entertaining. Wong is badass. The supporting cast is a lot of fun. Like Umar is like the, the bitchy mom, you know, but like the sitcom bitchy mom, it's, it's good. It's really, I've really been entertained by it. And, um, the, the, a few of the issues, there've been a few guest issues, but the majority of the seven been drawn by, Pencils by Marcello Ferreira and art uh, inks by Roberto Poggi. Really quality team. Beautiful stuff. They really get the cosmic right. So uh, I'm, I'm enjoying Strange quite a lot. And, um, you know, I definitely, I'm sure Dapp is insane. Like, I look forward to having, having uh, the, you know, the real Doctor Strange back to prominence eventually. We know it will happen. But in the meantime, I think this is a, a nice little uh, detour. Yeah, I'm a uh, couple issues behind. It, it's on the, uh, the pull list at the shop. But it's... Um... I was. I'm glad that uh, this came out of that uh, death of Doctor Strange event um, because it obviously it was designed for this so that Clea could go and get Stephen back this that and the other. But um, as much as that miniseries, it had it had some really good parts, but. I, I, I wasn't in love with, with how it ended, but the fact that this series is, is picking up where it left off um, kind of writes the ship for me a little bit. I know, you know, it, it uh, see, me very, but I like that that this series is is entertaining and enjoyable and, and kind of um, doesn't just carry on whatever I wasn't really, I wasn't really thinking about the, uh, the events leading up to it. Nice. Well, there you go. Another episode in the can. Hope you join us next time. We'll have some cookies, maybe a couple sandwiches. And right? stray bullets. And stray bullets. It's, <laughs> we'll have some fun stuff and a whole mess and of whole bad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh, before we go, um, big, big, big hugs to our buddy Austin L. Ellis. Yeah, dog. Yeah. Yep. Love you, my man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so in the meantime, do all that stuff. Be nice to the ones you love and buy some comics and say goodnight. That was not bad. <laughs> that was not bad at all. I surprised myself. My, on the back, I surprised myself. Whew. How about that? Maybe I watch some wrestling after the show. Look at you. David. Good night. He's going to screw it up. Here's where he shits the bed. Clean up after him. David. Slap him in the head. We're out of here. Tell them you love them so much. More than words. Yep. (laughs) More than words. Yeah, that's not making it in. What? Ouch. (laughs) That's it for that one.